man, I just noticed there's some Tootsie Rolls under here. I might sneak one for the... I'm just kidding. Um, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, obviously, uh, we don't have to go into too much detail, but uh, Philippians obviously is written by Paul, and I like the book of Philippians. It's, it's short, but it's got a lot of stuff in it. And in Philippians chapter 2, we're just beginning in verse 1, Paul says this. He's talking to Christians at the uh, Philippian church. He says this. He says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Now, of course, there is those things in Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, he's kind of just setting, setting them up for verse 2. Uh, but he says, If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, aren't you glad there's consolation in Christ? Um, it's like to console somebody, you know, when, when, they're, when they're struggling. Uh, it's like consolation prize. Uh, you know, when you don't win, uh, you know, you get a consolation prize because, you know, you're sad because you lost. Um, and sometimes that gets a little overdone. Um, but you got, you know, the Lord is your consolation. He's there to, to console you, to help you. Um, turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. And he's, uh, he's there. And uh, it's a blessing because... There are some things in life that get to you and weigh you down and burden you. And I've told you this before, there's some things that no one else understands. They just don't get it. And even if you tried to explain it to them, they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't understand because they're not you. And the Lord understands. He knows how you tick. He knows your burdens. He knows the things. And that's a blessing that you may not even be able to go to uh, someone close to you, a friend or uh, your wife or your husband. Um, because they just wouldn't get it. You know, you might, I got to be careful sometimes, sometimes even just some of my burdens, just laying them out to my wife. She's always a blessing. She's always there to listen to me, but you know, sometimes I can lay too much on her and, and she doesn't always understand. And, um, I can always go to the Lord and say, Lord, listen, and a lot of things I try to take to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to bother my family or my friends with this. I just, I, I need help. And I don't know how to explain. You ever had that? Well, I just don't even know what's going on, but I just, something's wrong, and I don't know what it is. It's kind of like when you get depressed sometimes. You don't even know why you're depressed. You're like, why am I depressed? Everything's fine. Um, just a spiritual battle that you got to fight, and sometimes you got to go to the Lord, and he's, he's, he's our joy and our strength. Amen? And it's good to have a God that's a God of consolation. Romans chapter 15, uh, verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, Romans 15, 4, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Jesus Christ. He's a God of consolation. Uh, it's a blessing. Um, you know, it's, we, our God is so fantastic, and He's just beyond our comprehension. I mean, the same God that split open the, the, the ground and swallowed up Korah and all those people in wrath and anger. I mean, he's a God of judgment, a God of justice. He hates sin. It's the same God that will come and sit next to you and comfort you and console you, amen, uh, console you. He says, if therefore, back in Rome, or Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, if therefore be any consolation in Christ, which there is, if any comfort of love, amen, uh, God, like we were going over in consolation, he's a God of comfort. He's the only one who can comfort you. I don't know how he does it. There's so many times in my life that I've prayed and I said, Lord, I just don't know what to do. or I'm just bothered by some things. And um, he comforts me, and I feel better. I mean, you spend 15, 20 minutes in prayer talking to the Lord about something, you can't help but come out better than you were when you first started. The Lord, it does that. Uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Probably make you flip a couple times, you know, in Sunday school, keep you awake. I know you're all, it's Sunday school, 
and you know you're all kind of like uh, just kind of just trying to get the old motor running right so try to make you flip I promise it won't make you flip as much in Sunday morning service but second Corinthians second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3 Paul says this he says blessed be God even the father of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of mercies and the God of all comfort he's the God of all comfort that's a blessing to have a God that's, that's, that's a God of comfort. You know, you can listen to things, and it just gets you, wears you down. The world out there just wants to wear you down, and they, they like that. They like bad news. They enjoy it because, you know what, bad news brings good ratings and brings uh, people into subjection, and, and it scares people into doing things that they wouldn't normally do because they're afraid. Um, but God is a God of comfort, and you can go to Him. I mean, if you listen to the news all the day, no wonder you're, you're always wore out and just always uh, like this all the time because you're just listening to the world. The world will take everything and, and, and just make it the worst thing in the world. And yes, there are bad things that happen in this world for sure, but a lot of times if you notice, things come and go. Um, things come in and it's scary for a little bit and then it's, then it's gone. And then we're, you know, I t- um, my wife, I'm not trying to pick on her, she's been worried about my, uh, my boys coming home. From Florida, and I mean, she's been monitoring a man on the phone, just like watch. She's got David locked in there on the. She knows where he's at. She knows what restaurants he's stopping at. She knows everything. She's rebuking him for not eating enough vegetables. I mean, she's a mom on the with a boy on the road, and she's she's doing all that, and she's worried about him. She's a mama, and that's what she does, and she loves him. And uh, she, I was telling her today, I said, "Isn't gonna be good? They're gonna Lord willing be home tonight." And she's like, "Yeah." She goes, "It'll be it'll be something that I don't have to worry about anymore." I said, "Yeah, but don't worry, something else will take its place." And that's, that's how life is, isn't it? I mean, don't worry about what you're worrying about now because when that's gone, something else will take its place. Don't worry. You'll be worried about something else tomorrow. Things you were worried about a year ago, you're not worried about anymore. Um, so it's good to have a God that's a God of comfort um, that you can go to and say, Lord, this is bothering me. This is, this is driving me crazy. Lord, the world's going nuts. The world's in the Lord's like, just listen, calm down, calm down. I told you about this. I told you about this. I told you this was coming, but I haven't changed. And I, everything I said in the Word is true, and I'm still here, and I've got a comfort. And, me and Andrew were talking the other day about how crazy everything is in this world, and you get kind of going down that path sometimes. You start just tearing everybody up and tearing everything up. I said, well, you know what's good, honey? I said, this isn't where I live. This is my home. This isn't our home. We're just hanging out here until the Lord comes and gets us. And we're just here to just give some water to some thirsty souls and try to be a blessing and win some people to Christ. But, uh, you know, the, the plane's going to take off after a bit, and our time's up. It's like when I go on the mission trips. You go down there, try to be a blessing, pass out tracts. I was down in Mexico last, or last June, down there passing out tracts is a blessing. But I can't control how Mexico is. I can't control their government. I can't control how people act and react to things. I can't control anything they're doing down there. All I did, I didn't go down there to change their political system. I didn't go down there to, to make, build houses and do things for them. I just went down there to get the gospel out. And we had a lot of people get saved over down there. And I went down there, but guess what? One day, I, I have to go hit my plane. I got to get out of here. Heading back home. And that's what we are. You're just giving the gospel. You can't control the government. You can't control the things in life. You can't. You just give it to the Lord. You do the best you can. I mean, you know, when you go out and vote, vote what the Lord would have you to vote. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, all right. Just give it to the Lord and say, okay, well, Lord, it's not my home. I try to do my best, but I'll just keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And uh, Lord, pretty soon the plane's going to take off, and I'll be out of here. I'll just do the best I can while I'm here. Our home's a lot better place. I don't know if you understand that. Much better than this place. 
Um, there's a place coming that we're going to see. I can't wait to go home. Amen. I mean, I'm glad that the Lord gives me an opportunity to do something now, and He blesses me now, but I can't wait to go home. Uh, I, was telling, I was telling people a couple weeks ago, I said, you know, it seemed like when I was, you know, coming up in the ministry or even just as a coming up for a while, just even as a young man and stuff, you know, and you get older and you start kind of looking to the past and you start thinking about things in the past. And, man, I wish, you know, I wish I could go back and do that or I wish I could do that because we have victories and defeats in the past, you know. Um, and sometimes you remember things, you know, maybe, you know, you remember little ones being littler and you remember some things that happened, some things that moved on that makes you sad, but I'm getting to the point now in my life where I'm just not looking at the past so much anymore. It, it's already gone. It's, it's like another world to me. I'm looking forward to what's coming. <laughs> I'm looking forward to a place where we're going. Amen? And I know sometimes it doesn't seem real to you. Sometimes it seems like a dream, doesn't it? Kind of like it's just not even real, but it is real. It's more real than what you're doing right now. And one day we're going to be up there, and you guys are just going to be as alive more than you are now. It's not going to be some dream state where like, oh, you're floating around as a spirit. You know, they, people get weird thoughts in their heads, you know, and they're some robots, and they just kind of do whatever God. No, it's, you're going to be you. You're just going to have a redeemed body. You're going to live just like you're living now, except for you won't have this. And everything you think and do will be right. Where now, every time you think, you got to watch what you think. you got to watch what you say. you got to... You know, I get done preaching, I'm like, did I say anything dumb? Did I say that? What did I say? Did I say something dumb? Or like when I leave church, you know? If I ever seem like I'm short with anybody, like I shake your hand, don't say much to you, it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I don't want to talk to you. I'm just trying to avoid saying something stupid. Because I will. If you talk to me long enough, I, I go to dinner this afternoon, I'm going to be like, Lord, please don't let me say something stupid. Please don't let me say something stupid. Because I always do. I always do. I mean, I just don't know how. Pastor Peacock, or we have a, a different preachers that come to our church. I go up, hey, that was a blessing. And they're just like, okay, brother. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have said anything. You know, I just, it's just something about that, you know. And the multitude of words, there one is not sin. Amen. You just, um, but I, I'm glad that, uh, that we're going home one day and I don't have to watch what I'm saying. I don't have to watch what I'm thinking. And God comforts me with that. And He comforts me now, saying, don't worry about it. I'll take care of you. Listen. The Lord knows everything that's going on. He knows what's going on. Just take comfort in Him because He knows. And He knows. It doesn't mean you won't go through stuff, but He'll comfort you. And it's good to have a God that you can talk to at any time. There, if any, uh, Philippians chapter 2, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. Well, does the Lord want you to have fellowship? Yeah, sure He does. There's fellowship with, 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 uh, with, uh, with the saints that you're supposed to have. You know, we're not supposed to forsake the assembly of ourselves. We're supposed to be... You need to come together and fellowship, encourage each other. That's why it's important, the fellowship. you got to come together and encourage each other because you need each other's encouragement because you're out there in the world all day and the world's doing nothing but discouraging you. So you need to come and get together and have fellowship. But you also need to have fellowship with the Lord, which is more important. You need to have fellowship with Him. You can be doing everything you're supposed to be doing ministry-wise. You can be doing the right things but your fellowship is off, you know? Um, I don't know if I, I preached this before. I don't know if I preach it here, but, you know, you, you, you plug into the source, which is Jesus Christ. If you don't plug into the source, you have no power. And you may be able to do everything that you think you can do, but you have no power behind it. You know, and I, I think I used this example before, but, like, it's like a cell phone. You all have a cell phone. This is, this is where we're at. I'm using a cell phone as an example. You have a cell phone, right? Well, you can download any app you want on that phone. It can do some really crazy stuff on that phone, can't it? But once the power goes out, it doesn't matter how many apps you have on there. 
those apps can't work without power. And what Christians do sometimes is they try to put more apps on their phone thinking they're being more spiritual. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more things. I'm going to do more ministries. That will make me more spiritual. No, it doesn't mean anything if you're not plugged into the source. Maybe you need to be plugged into the source. You know, Jesus Christ says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You need to be plugged into him. If you're not plugged into him, you may be doing some things, but it's not making you any closer to the Lord, and there's no power behind what you're doing. So I'm going to be a... You do things and you're getting stale and it's just, it's just going through the motions. You've got no power. You've got to plug into the source. Amen? That's fellowship with the Lord. He wants you to have fellowship with Him. And the way you have fellowship with the Lord is very simple, by praying and talking to Him and being in the book because that's how He talks to you. Every Saturday I try to go out and I, try to, I drive out to the, to, the, to the state land out there and I drive out there in the middle of nowhere. I sit out there and I pull off in my Jeep and I sit there and I read my Bible and fellowship with the Lord. I mean, I try to do that every day of the week, obviously, but there's just a special time on Saturday that I can go out there. I don't have anything else intruding. And I can just sit there. I have no time limit. I don't have, you know, well, man, I got to get going. I got to get to work. Or I can just sit there and it's just sweet having that fellowship. And, and just, I always feel just 100 times better when I leave there. Just sitting out there and just quiet. And uh, God wants fellowship with you. Isn't that a blessing? There's some people that don't want fellowship with you. Is that not true? I mean, there's people that don't want fellowship with me. I mean, I've tried to get fellowship with people sometimes, you know. Sometimes uh, I've had preachers or other Christians come to our church, say, hey, how you doing? They're like, hey, hey, how you doing? And they just walk away, you know, or they're not really, it's not that they're mean, they're just not really interested in having fellowship with you, you know. And sometimes you're like, man, you're kind of bummed, man. I really kind of wanted to know that person better. I want, and they just don't. But the Lord always wants to have fellowship with you. And you can always go and talk to him, and really, that's all that really matters. Um, I saw something the other day. Somebody said something about um, if you knew how many people were going to forget about you after your death, you would really understand how important it is to be close to God because God's the one that's going to be with you for eternity. Amen? People, you know, and I hate to say it, but after you pass away, people remember you, and your close friends and family might remember you for a while, but you start to fade. And they don't think about you all the time. The Lord's there with you all the time. You know what he said? He said something really profound. He said, you know what he says? He told the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he says, you do err not knowing the Scriptures. You know, and he said, God is not just the God, is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So when you die, you don't die. You live. <laughs> You're alive, right? Didn't Moses and Elijah, didn't, didn't they? Moses died, right? They buried him. Elijah went up in the air. They're gone, right? They're dead, I mean, per se. And what happens? They show up and they're talking with the Lord. They're still alive. The people that die in Christ that have moved on, they're still alive. I know we don't see them anymore. We will. They're going to talk to them just like you talked to them before. Isn't that a blessing? You know what? And when, when Peter saw Moses and Elijah... He knew that it was Moses and Elijah. So when you get up to heaven, you're going to know who everybody is. You're going to recognize them. Yeah, we're going to have the, the, the form of Christ. We're going to be like Christ. But you're going to know everybody. You're going to know who they are, and you've got to talk to them. Paul said comfort each other with these words, talking about the rapture. It's not the end when you die. We don't go into some place where we just kind of like robots walking around just serving the Lord. It's a place of joy. <laughs> It's a place where we're going to go in fellowship. We're going, to, we're going to be able to talk to people, live your life, 
You have a mansion up there. Why do you have a mansion up there if you don't? You get you got streets. You got you got places to go. I think you can do a lot of things that you do in this life only with a pure heart and doing things. You don't have to worry about up there. You don't have to worry about hey, I gotta lock my door tonight. I don't gotta worry about somebody being foolish or or I don't gotta worry about things. You just it's just life living for the living with the Lord up there. Amen. You got another life coming. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's a blessing. And God wants fellowship with you now. Up then you're going to be able to see him face to face. But now, now you get to walk with him and have fellowship. He wants fellowship with the Spirit. If any bowels and mercies, verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. Bowels and mercies. Something about that comes from deep inside, right? Those mercies. And God has mercies. Um, God, want, God has mercies towards you. He has, I mean, how much mercy has he had on you just this morning? I mean, <laughs> how much mercy... I mean, I, I, I remember waking up Saturday morning, and I hadn't even gotten to the breakfast table, and I had to ask God to forgive me for something. I mean, I'm like, man, Lord, I haven't even gotten to the breakfast table. I've already messed up this morning. I had to ask, and the Lord's like, all right, that's fine. Eat some honeycomb. You're fine. Lord's merciful, amen. He wants you to have, he wants you to have mercies, too. Uh, turn to, uh, where did I want to go? Uh, turn to, uh, got it right here, Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. He wants you to have mercies too. So if he has mercy on you, you need to have mercy as well. You know? I know sometimes people do you wrong and some people treat you bad, but have mercy on them. A lot of times people say stupid things. And sometimes they don't even realize what they said. I've had people say dumb things to me all the time. People, some, some, some of them are kind of hurtful. You know? But you just have mercy and just say, hey, you know what? I'll probably be the next one that says something dumb. You know? Uh, just give them a break. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says this. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies. Amen? Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, have bowels of mercy. Something that comes from inside. Sometimes, sometimes it's not natural to be merciful. It's not natural to forgive people. But it's got to come from inside, from the Lord. You got to have those bowels of mercy. You got to, all right, Lord. You know, I was uh, joking the other day, and it's no big deal. I'm not really worried about it. But uh, I was joking. I, I think I've told you all before that, you know, I, when I was younger and I was learning how to preach, that my pastor would would have me go to the side and he'd give me a list of all the things I'd done wrong after I got done preaching, and it was like it was very humbling. And I was I gave that illustration one time at our, our church. And one of the brothers came up to me after church, and he gave me a list of all the things he thought I'd done wrong in that sermon. And they were serious things. I mean, he was kind of half-joking, but he gave me a list of things he thought I should do better. You know, and what could I have done better? Absolutely. I mean, they were all true. Everyone he wrote on there was absolutely true. But, you know, part of me is like, well, thank you, brother. Appreciate that. Thank you for correcting me and keeping me straight. You know, part of me inside is like, you know, who, you know, but the Lord just like, is it true? I'm like, yeah, it's true. I'm like, They're all good points. He's like, well, then just work on it. Let it go. You know, One thing I look up to, person I look up to is my pastor, Pastor Tim Lambert. If I've seen anybody have grace with people, he's had grace with people. Some people have really um, just not done him right in some things, and he's just got so much grace. He's got more grace than I got. There are some people that have messed up, and I wanted him to deal with that situation, and he just had grace with them. And you know what? It turned out to be a good thing, and things got right, and everything was good. But if me, (laughs) 
I would, I would have got mad about it, and I, I, I have to learn that. We have to have grace and mercy, bowels and mercies, and thank God God's got mercy. So verse 1, he says, If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, which there is, any comfort of love, there is. If any fellowship of the Spirit, amen, there is. If any bowels and mercies, there is. Then if all that is true, Paul says, fulfill ye my joy. What's his joy? That ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. You know, he says, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. How do you be like-minded? Well, you believe the book. It's amazing how many people, even Bible believers, will veer off the book because of their emotions, you know. Well, this is how I feel. Well, your feelings don't mean anything. I mean, I'm sorry how you feel. I feel things too, but where really your feelings at the end of the day don't mean anything. It matters what the book says. And um, you got to be like-minded, be in the book, having the same love, love for each other. doesn't mean you have to like each other all the time. You try. My mom used to tell me, I love you, son, but I don't like you all the time. And because I was, I was a punk, you know, and I, I don't blame her. But, you know, you need to love each other and care for each other. Even, even if it's somebody that, you know what, maybe you don't get along with so great, and you're, you're nice to them when they come in, and you're like, ah, you know, they're not your favorite person. And sometimes that happens. you got to try to ask the Lord for help with that. But you know what, you can still love them, you know. I mean, the Lord loves you. You perfect? How about you at your worst state? Are you very lovable? And sometimes I ask my wife, why do you love me? <laughs> it's got to be something supernatural because I look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, I, I wouldn't like you if I, you know, I just, it just, like, you have to have love. The Lord has love for you. Your pastor has love for you, doesn't he? Do you think you're all always lovable? You don't think you walk in that door on Sunday morning sometimes and, uh, you know, hey, well, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. Glad to see you. Glad you made it, you know. There's people in our church that walk in, and the first thing they do when they walk in is start giving a list of all their problems. As soon as they walk in the door, hey, pastor, well, here's what's going on. And just listen off. I mean, pastor, my pastor, he's, he's got stuff going on too. He's got a church. He's got a sermon to prepare. And he's got to sit there for 15 minutes and listen to somebody tell them. And listen, he's good about that. He listens. He cares. It's not that he doesn't care. It's just, you know what? Sometimes you're not very lovable. But... You know, people love you anyway. Pastor loves you. Lord loves you. Amen. I guarantee you, if any of you tried to leave, Pastor would come looking for you. He loves you. He appreciates you. Like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. We're going to go over that here in a second. Being of one accord and of one mind. You should be like-minded, going forth for the gospel. We all have problems. We all have things we have to go through, but you need to be looking forward. Like I was talking about Wednesday, you have to just keep going forward and dealing with things as they come up and keep going forward. And there's going to be tough times. There's going to be good times. There's going to be times when the church is riding high and everything's going great. And then there's going to be times where you're kind of in a lull and things just seem like everybody's struggling. I mean, right before COVID hit, we were, um, we were uh, really doing really well. I mean, really, we were thinking, you know, we did end up eventually expanding our parking lot, but we were like, man, we're getting packed out. Well, then COVID hit and everything went down. Then it was a struggle to get anybody to come to church. And we were really down for a long time. And some people were getting discouraged and leaving just because there wasn't many people. Uh, people are attracted to people. And sometimes when you don't have as many people, then people say, well, if nobody else coming, I ain't coming either. Well, that's not the right attitude. Is this where God wants you? Then you better be here. 
And you come in and you weather those storms and then eventually things start picking back up again. You're going to go through that in life. Life isn't always up on the mountaintop. Sometimes you're in the valleys and then you got to get to those valleys and get up to the mountaintop. But you have to be like-minded of one accord and just saying, hey, we're just going forward. And like I was telling you Wednesday night, when everyone else quits, are you going to quit? You know, sheep follow other sheep. You got to be careful. You got to say, no, I'm going to follow the shepherd regardless. I don't care if all the other sheep go over that way. I'm going to follow the shepherd. I'm going where he's going. Verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others, other better than themselves. There's something that I'll preach. Amen. You're supposed to esteem each others better than yourself. Turn to Romans chapter 12. That's hard to do, isn't it? Because some of you think you're something. And you've got to be careful. And you say, well, I don't think I'm something. We all think we're something. Just let someone get something that you were supposed to have. And you'll see that old nature show up. Yeah. Well, I've been doing this for 10 years. Why to take it? I know. I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I know how it is. I know how that flesh rises up. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Paul says this. He says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. You know, the... Bible has a really a theme a lot of times throughout the New Testament. It's looking out for others, not for you. And you know, you know that old, that old uh, acronym, you know, joy, Jesus first, others next, you last. And I know that seems like something we just teach in children's Sunday school, but there's truth in that. And you are a miserable person if you're just looking out for yourself. The most miserable people in the world are people that are all about themselves. You see them on the news. You see them at work. They're always about themselves. It's always about them. And they are miserable people to be around. Amen. But you meet somebody who's about others, and they're a good person to be around. You like to be around them. they got a good spirit. I don't care if they're saved or not. Some people, they're just, it's sad that I know some people at, at my work. There's a couple people that are always looking out for others, and they're not even saved. You know, it's a blessing. You're supposed to look, look out for other people. Uh, let each esteem others better than themselves. That's hard to do, isn't it? Well, they're not better than me. You know, there's a brother uh, I competed with in a way, kind of a fun way, another brother in the ministry. I competed with him for a while, and, and uh, in a way we'd talk, joke, how we're competing with each other and stuff. And, um, you know, it got to the point where it sort of bothered me a little bit because, you know, I mean, I just felt like he was doing more than I was and stuff, and the Lord got a hold of my heart. And, you know, I, I'm not competing with him anymore. And I know that it was all kind of been fun and stuff, but I'm not doing it. You know what? He's better than me. He just is. He's better than me. The Lord's using him and. um a different way. Um, I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek, but basically I just say, okay, Lord, he's better, and, and he's, you're using him, and praise the Lord. Just use me for what you want to use me for. And, um, you know, he's better, you know, and there's a part of me, you know, the spiritual preacher that I am that says, I'm better than him. The Lord says, no, you're not. Esteem, esteem others better than themselves. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, sometimes you get so consumed with yourself that you're not looking about others, you know. I, was, I, I know this is just me. This doesn't mean you, so don't, don't take this as a burden to you. But I notice at prayer service sometimes when I'd ask for a prayer, I'd always pray for something for myself. Hey, pray for me for this or pray for this. And then I notice other people are always praying for other people. 
pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so. And the Lord got a hold of me about that. He said, well, you know, I mean, yeah, I know you need your prayers answered, but are you praying for others? Are you so caught up with yourself? Now, I'm using myself as an example because I don't know what everybody else is going through, but that's something the Lord deals with me about. You need to be praying about others. Make sure you're praying for others. And I do, but sometimes you can get caught up with yourself. And, you know, you pray, pray for others. Turn to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. You need to be thinking about others. It's a blessing when you're praying for somebody else and you see the Lord answer that prayer. That's a blessing. And you know you were part of that. You were praying for them. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, what's the same verse 2? It says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. You're supposed to bear each other's burdens. Are you the kind of person that comes into church and just wants to tell everybody your problems? Are you the kind of one that listens to someone else telling you their problems? Now listen, there's some things that need to be brought up. Amen. I'm not telling you if you've got issues and things that need to be prayed for, absolutely bring those up because that's how the church prays for you. They need to know. But if you're the kind of person that comes into church every Sunday morning and all you do is gripe about your life and about all the things that are going on, why don't you? have you ever asked anybody else how you're doing? <laughs> how things going for you? I used to do that. I used to have a bad problem. There's a, there's a couple brothers that I really confided in about a lot of different things. And whenever I'd see them, it's just like, I'd be like oh, you know, I'd like I can confide some things into them. And I get talking to them, and the Lord dealt with me about that. And, and he said, you know what you need to do? You need to quit telling them all your burdens. You need to ask them how they're doing. And so I had to learn. That's part of growth as a Christian, getting your eyes off yourself and looking at others. Because if you're only looking at yourself all the time, you're still a baby Christian. You're still just looking out for yourself. A baby doesn't care about everybody else. I'm telling you, when a baby's in that crib crying, it does not care that you have not gotten any sleep that night. He or she does not care. You know, we had a baby at night, did not care that I was just up with it 15 minutes ago. I haven't gotten any sleep. I have to admit, my wife is up a lot more than I was, so I got really not a lot of room to stand here. But my wife was up, you know, when any of my, my children were in the crib, did not care. Me, I want food. My tummy hurts. I don't want to go to sleep. I want someone to hold me, right? That's a baby, and that's what Christians are doing. Me, my tummy hurts, you know. I'm hungry. I want something. There's people that come to my church that show up only when they need something. You won't see them forever. Then they'll show up in the back, and as soon as I see them, I say, I wonder what they're going to they're gonna want something. And sure enough, hey, pray for me. I, got, I need money, or I need this, or I need this. Where have you been? You know, they show up, and then once they get what they need, then they leave, and you never see them again. It's about them. That's what people call the churches. They don't want to come to church, but they want you to fulfill their need. It's about them. Part of growth as a Christian is looking on the needs of others. And that's hard because we're real easy to get caught up with ourselves. And you need it's okay to bring your burdens to the Lord. You're supposed to. You're supposed to bring them up. But don't forget to pray for others. Don't forget to ask someone else, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Hey, I heard about this. I'm praying for you. All things going for you. And let them vent a little bit. Let them talk. Get out of their system. Maybe they don't want to talk, but they'll appreciate you praying for them. They'll appreciate that you care and that you're thinking about them. Instead of saying, oh, my week is horrible. And you start going off about your week. And you don't know that person there just buried somebody that week, you know? You get caught up in yourself. Let, look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Verse 5. Verse 5. 
Here we go with the mind. How much time I got left? Okay. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You're supposed to have the mind of Christ. All right? How do you get the mind of Christ? Well, you got to put that flesh down. The flesh is what is your mind. It's the mind of sin, the Bible calls it. But then you have the mind of Christ. You get that through the Spirit of God, through being in the book, and through walking with Him. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You got to have the mind of Christ. And that's what you're fighting all the time. Because sometimes you really want to do what God wants you to do. Amen? And then other times, right? It's amazing what can throw you off the mind of Christ, isn't it? Some of you, you'll be feeling like you're close to the Lord until you walk out that door and somebody's driving by and they got the, the bass booming. Boom, 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 boom. It'll bring you back to your past. Some of you got saved later in life. Oh, I remember that song. Gone, your mind is sin now. You dropped it. Don't you know why the devil uses music? It's very, very powerful. That's why you got to be in the book. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First, I want to go through verse 16. The Bible says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? It's in you. You know that? You have it in you. The Lord's in you, so you can have His mind. You know, the more you're in this book, the more you're in fellowship with God, it changes the way you think. It changes the way you look at things. Some of you, I mean, I know when I got saved, I started reading the Bible, I started changing things. Things just started changing. I just started looking at things differently than I used to. And definitely now my mind is completely gone from where it used to be. I mean, there's still the flesh up there, but I'm just telling you that I think of things differently. You know how you get in the mind of Christ? This is the mind of Christ. And when you read this, it changes how you think. It changes your heart. And you get in this, and you start looking at things differently, and that's why the world gets mad at you, because you're not thinking like them anymore. Well, I think you should have this kind of a day at work. I think you should have a a transgender day. I think you should have this. Why are you not sympathetic towards those things? Because my mind is the mind of Christ, and he's against that. So therefore... I'm not going to be in the mind of the flesh. I want you to, you can have the mind of Christ. Now, you're going to cause trouble if you have the mind of Christ because if Jesus Christ showed up in this world today, the world will reject him again. They definitely, they would crucify him if they could. And I'm not just talking the lost world, I'm talking churches would crucify him again if they could. If Jesus Christ showed up to a lot of churches today, they'd kick him out. They don't want him there. That old story one time where the uh, guy, he went to, he was, uh, he went to uh, church and he got in there, and he preached, and they, they got mad at how he's preaching the Bible, so they kicked him out. And then he said he got out there and got praying, and he was really down. He's like, Lord, they just kicked me out of the church. And the Lord said, it's okay. They wouldn't let me in either. You know? you got to have the mind of Christ. Uh, turn to Romans chapter 7. You can have that mind, but it's hard. I know. I know it's not easy. you got all the flesh, the world, and the devil against you all the time. So you got to spend as much time in the book. Spend as much time in the book. Listen to good music if you can. That helps. Um, you know, the, there's a, there's, um, uh, one time I think it was, was it Samuel? He said, uh, they asked him for some help. Was it Samuel or Elijah? I can't remember. But, um, they said, he said, bring me a minstrel and play it before me. And they played some music from spiritual music. And the Lord spoke to him through that. Um, good music does something to you. Just like just wicked music does stuff for you. Wicked music, wicked music, Wicked music, and I know this because I grew up 24 years as a lost man. I know I was in the military, high school, football team. I know how that goes. 
And that wicked music makes you think of yourself, and it makes you think of what you could be or what if people were looking at you or all this stuff. You think it's about you, right? And that bass, boom, 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 boom. Get your heart all, you know. So we used to listen to in football to get ourselves pumped up for war. Joshua said to Moses, there's a sound of war in the camp. Why? Because they were listening to wicked music and dancing down there. It causes you to not think right. But when you listen to spiritual music, like we were listening to this morning, it does something to you. It gets you that mind right. gets that mind right. Uh, Romans chapter 7, look at verse 23. The Bible says, but I, Paul says this, but I see another law on my members, warring against what? The law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Right? He says, O wretched man that I am, right? That's my life verse. <laughs> Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with a the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with a flesh, the law of sin. It's always something battling for your mind, and the devil knows it. And he knows how you're chinking your armor. He knows how to get you, and you've got to protect against that. Um, you've got to fight it. Listen, some of the stuff in your life is not going to be easy. You can't just say, well, okay, I'm going to walk from this to this to this to this, and I'll be okay every time I always be spiritual. You're going to have fights. You're going to have temptations. They're going to come to you. You can't do nothing about it. It's going to be you. You're going to have to make a decision whether you're going to do right or not. The best thing to do, I'll tell you this, in most situations is to get away from it if you can. Get away from it. Just walk away. A lot of times you'll stick around something. Even though you know it's influencing you, you'll stick around it. Get away from it if you can. Sometimes you can't. If you can't, ask God for help and grace to get through it. But you got to serve Him with the mind of Christ. Uh, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I should have stayed there where I was. Romans chapter 12. The mind of Christ. God wants you to have the right mind. I don't know if I preached before, but I, I talk about the law of your mind. <laughs> the Bible, the people are trying to... Are, the, 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 battle at the end days is not a battle of physical stuff. It's a battle of the mind. The devil, the news media, the world, they are messing with your mind. That's what they're messing with. Right now, they have that virtual reality out there that I was talking about Wednesday night, that people are, are, are on that now, and pretty soon it's going to get so realistic that you're not going to be able to tell the difference between reality and not reality anymore. And that's what they want you. They want you because you'll be completely inoperable to do anything. You know, I, I told you there's a there's a couple that uh, that was coming to our church that they they actually you know they met on on one of those things and that's fine they're doing good they're they're coming to our church they're a blessing but it just kind of scares me how people can do that now you can go on this virtual reality and what happens is, is you don't like your life then you go start a new one and you can do whatever you want and if you don't like it you just hit the reset button and you quit living life it's messing with your mind. Isn't your mind already messed up as it is? I mean, you can't even... Listen, even some of you who grew up in church, grew up, served God your whole life, tried to do the best thing, when you walk out that door, that stuff is just pounding you as soon as you get out there. The billboard signs, the music, the people, everything, it's just constantly... You can't go to the grocery store now. You can't go to a restaurant now. You can't do any of that. Constant TV in your face. It doesn't matter what you want to watch. They're watching it. And it's right there in front of you while you're eating pizza or whatever you're doing, you, gotta keep, you can't help but keep looking up at it and there's something there. Or the music. That's what it does. It messes with your mind and the devil does that. You've got to try to stay with the right mind. The Bible says, verse, um, verse 2, Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Some of you, you know, a lot of times when God wants you to do something, you don't know it because your mind's not right. And your mind affects your heart. And you gotta, that's why you got to be careful what you put up here. <laughs> that's why the Internet's so dangerous. I know a lot of you get on the Internet, and you get on there for good reasons or for whatever reasons you need to. I mean, society day, today is demanding that you have Internet. You've got to have it now. I mean, if you can't, have, can't pay your bills anymore, I mean, if you go and try to pay anything in cash or anything, they actually discourage you from doing it anymore. Uh, I know some people are trying, and they, they can do it. But you get on there with good intentions, but there's just something about that. It's called the Internet for a reason. It's a net. It's a web. And that spider gets you in there, and he catches you. And then maybe you're just looking at this, and then next thing you know, something pops up on the side. Oh, that looks interesting. Click on that, and it just leads down a trail. Next thing you know, you're looking at something you had no intention of looking at when you first started getting on there. That's with your mind. I understand the reality of life. I get it. People say, go get on the Internet. Don't do that. Listen, I'm sorry. That's just not feasible a lot of times. You just can't. It's like saying, you know, your phone. Yeah, your phone. Yeah, I understand everything about your phone. I get it. I'm right there with you. But now try getting along without it. They force you to keep doing it. So you got to learn to fight some things. you got to learn to just do what you got to do and stay in that book. And don't spend so much time on the Internet. Don't spend so much time watching television. Before it was television. I was talking about television where they tell you, well, you can have a TV in your house. Just don't spend so much time on it. Well, you got to be careful. you gotta, you got to be in this book. If you're on the Internet and on TV more than you're in the book, who do you think is going to win? You're not going to, your mind's not going to be right. Amen? And Christians develop some weird ideas in their head about things based off what they see. You want to know something? When I was a, when I was a kid, I remember uh, I used to watch the Cosby show. And I'd watch the Cosby show when it was on. And I remember um, there's a, they had this, this, this boy named Theo on there, and he's their son. And he was an awful student in, in school. I mean, he was in the show anyway. He was an awful student. I'm sorry, I should have ate a donut before I came in here. Um, but he was an awful student in school, and he, uh, you know, but then it, later on in the later seasons, he ends up going to a nice college, and he's got a college degree. You know me as a kid, what I thought when I saw that? I thought, well, if Theo didn't get good grades, and he got in a good college, well, then so can I. You see the error in that thinking? I'm depending on a fictional TV show to show me what I'm supposed to be doing. They can make him do anything he wants. He can get bad grades the whole series, and then, all of a sudden, you know, they can manufacture, you know, all of a sudden he's in a great college. That's not real life. These movies aren't real life. Everybody thinks they base their lives off what people are doing in the movies and the television and on the Internet, and those aren't real. <laughs> they can manipulate it as they want. It's a battle of your mind. How much time I got left? None? Okay. What time do you usually finish up here? Okay. Well, I'm just going to go another 15 minutes. No, I'm good. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So anyway, the point is this, and I'll close. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Keep your mind right. What goes into your eyes goes into your mind. And what goes into your mind goes into your heart. And what goes into your heart goes out of your mouth. So you can hide it for a while, what you've been watching, what you've been looking at. But eventually, it's going to come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh.
Sorry I took so long. You're dismissed. <laughs>